Hi, everyone, and welcome to our August edition of Getting to Know You. As always, I am your host, Jen Dawson, Pedra's Associate Director of Educational Programs, and I am delighted to be joined by Diana Zarowin. She is a fourth-year medical student at Albert Einstein College of Medicine, and oh my goodness, do we have a lot to talk about today because she has got some really awesome projects going on both with Pedra and outside of Pedra. Some of her accomplishments include being the founding president at the UPenn American Medical Women's Association chapter, which is still standing today. And she's been a recipient of a research fellowship award with Pedra, along with an early investigator award. So welcome, Diana. I am so excited for you to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here as well. So I know we have a lot to get to, and we only have a half hour. So um, let's start at the beginning. Why are you interested in pediatric dermatology? Yeah, so I actually came to Peds Derm through my pediatrics clerkship, my general peds clerkship in third year. And uh, I had the cutest little seven-month-old baby who I had to figure out the differential, either being atopic derm or sebderm. And I started to wonder if there were dermatologists who actually only worked with kids or focused on kids. Long story short, I was connected to a bunch of peds derms that are all members of Pedra. And they talked about how wonderful their lives were, how gratifying their work was, how you knew that every day you went to work and you were making a difference. Um, and I just jump at the opportunity to work with kids and be able to study cutaneous medicine. And so Pedsderm marries both of my interests. So one of the things I love is that you really, as soon as you joined Pedra, you just jumped in head first. You joined the mentorship program straight away. You've also applied for funding. So let's talk about the support you received from Pedra. Talk about those projects. Yeah. So I, I keep telling uh, Mike Siegel that him and, you know, he and Peter have changed my life. Um, I feel really fortunate to have won uh, one of the Pedra fellowship grants last year. It enabled me to do an entire year of dedicated research at CHOP with Dr. James Treat. Um, and I couldn't have taken that year without Pedra's support. So I am, I am eternally grateful. Um, my main project with Dr. Treat that we actually applied into the fellowship is looking at oral N-acetylcysteine and its safety and efficacy as it relates to habit-driven picking disorders in pediatric patients. So we are tying off the loose ends of our manuscript right now and preparing it for submission. But I was also offered a lot of autonomy by Dr. Treat to work on projects that really spoke to me and interested me, no matter how grassroots they were. Um, so I worked on some medical education projects as they relate to disability education and dermatology, as well as skin of color, and then have also been offered the chance to um, now work on another grant we'll talk about with Dr. Craiglow on uh, oral minoxidil, again, safety and efficacy in the pediatric population. That's super exciting. So like just right from the jump, you got to get into the research and that's got to be really thrilling. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to actually see it come to fruition and know that a year's work of uh, hard work has kind of culminated in these amazing projects. And again, being connected to CHOP and Dr. Treat, I signed on for another year as a research assistant, even while I'm in fourth year. So I get to continue yeah, I get to continue with some of our projects um, and generate some new ones. And I also owe a lot to the subgroups that Pedra has because I would have never been exposed to disabilities in dermatology had I not joined the Down syndrome subgroup on a whim of interest. And that's where uh, my project that I did with Morgan that we've just you know presented our poster at SPD actually came out of. That's really cool. So you talk about the different work groups that are within Pedra. There are 
10 now um, and probably more coming online soon. The, the organization just continues to grow, which we love. But is there um, a particular area that is sort of rising to the top for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I've really loved my time being involved in a Down syndrome subgroup. Um, and I'm excited to continue with the work that Dr. Work is putting forth with the uh, DMARD study and Down syndrome patients. But I also am excited about the alopecia areata work that I'm going to be doing with Dr. Craiglo, and that falls under the hair disorders group. I like to be in the know about a lot of what's going on, but I would say right now, disabilities, hair disorders, and skin of color is kind of rising to the top for me. And what is it about research specifically that piques your interest? I mean, just being able to contribute to the scientific literature, uh, being able to ask questions that you're interested in. That's how the two medical education projects came to exist. I had a curiosity if my peers felt the same way as I did about the lack of resources we were, you know, being exposed to in medical school as it relates to skin of color and disability education. Um, and being able to actually seek out those answers has been very gratifying. Now we're able to take our data because data is everything and go to our medical school deans and actually appeal to them with this data. Yeah, and just learning anything new, any of the even the case reports or smaller projects that I've worked on this year, I feel like I always have uh, a new takeaway from them. And I, you know, I add to my fund of knowledge as it relates to pediatric dermatology. Okay. So now I really <laughs> want to dive in to this Mattel Barbie project. So, uh, folks you've probably seen on social media, we've been teasing this mm -hmm. a little bit and, uh, Diana, I tell me everything start at the beginning. How did this project come to be and what's the purpose and where's it headed long-term? Back a couple of months ago, I was shadowing Dr. Craiglow in her clinic in Connecticut, and she gave me the opportunity to hand uh, an alopecia Barbie doll to one of her five-year-old patients. And I was just like very struck by the interaction and the emotions that I felt, the emotions that the child felt as we were telling her how beautiful she was because she looked like the Barbie. And of course, we know the Barbie buzz in the movie that's out right now. Barbies are such a symbol of beauty and glamour and everything that little girls you know, could aspire to be. And I thought that there must be a way to capitalize on that that one patient encounter and magnify it. And so I reached out to Mattel's corporate social team, kind of put forth my idea about having a Barbie like me campaign that we could actually get donated Barbies into clinics throughout the Northeast and beyond, hopefully, if folks are interested in getting involved. And they were really excited about it. So a couple of weeks later, 300 pounds of Barbies showed up at my doorstep. And you'll see the photos. It, it was pretty remarkable, the truckload that showed up. And um, they delivered uh, their first batch of their uh, vitiligo Barbie. So there's a Ken and a Barbie. Um, and then the new shipment that's coming in is a darker skin vitiligo patient, uh, Barbie, not Barbie patient, as well as um, some of their alopecia Barbies for me to be able to give out. And it's just remarkable how this symbol of like beauty and you know, the perfect image of what I guess, you know, a person should want to look like now has medical representation to it. And they have a whole line of medical representation Barbies. These are just the ones that relate to dermatology. Um, so I know that Dr. Antea, who's one of my mentors up at Yale, he's bringing some to Camp Discovery, which is awesome. And I'm just excited for more clinics to get involved and be able to kind of share the love of these special Barbies. That is so interesting. And I'm thrilled that Mattel just like really jumped on board and they were like, yeah, let's do this. And they've just been so supportive. And it sounds like things moved so quickly, which I feel like is just so rare at this day and age. 
Yeah. Well, the answer is always no, unless you ask. That's the principle that I live by. Um, <laughs> but no, they, their corporate social has been, has been really awesome. So just, I requested an amount and they sent the amount and they're willing to send more. Um, and they've been really wonderful to work with. I think that they see the value in these Barbies and in the impact that they can have on, you know, pediatric patients. So yeah, seeing visible skin diseases in a Barbie doll, I think is a very empowering thing for patients who have those same visible skin diseases. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I'm, I'm so happy that society has come to a place where we are supportive of creating these iconic dolls and toys in a way that other people who have, especially in dermatology can relate to. So how do other clinics get involved? Like how can they participate in Barbie like me? Yeah, that's a great question. So initially I, I brought the idea to the clinics that I've spent time at either this year or earlier on in medical school. So at CHOP, at Yale, with Dr. Craiglow, at Monty and Jacoby. Um, but they're welcome to email me and we can see what we can get sent to their clinics, the quantities that they want, which type of Barbie that they want. Um, and then I'm happy to kind of either share, I have a basement I have a basement full of boxes right now with Barbies, but share the wealth that I have right now, as well as reach out to Mattel and ask for more and kind of help coordinate that effort. And one of my one of my dear friends who's not in medicine, but is a wonderful um, graphic artist, Becky Nasibi, she did these amazing graphics that kind of mirror what the, the Barbies in the boxes look like. And they have my contact information on them um, and any information somebody would need to learn kind of more about the campaign and get involved. That is so exciting. What's it been like for you to watch this come to fruition? It's honestly amazing. I, you know, you, again, the answer is no, unless you ask, but you don't actually know if people are going to even answer your emails, even if it's from a .edu. So to get a response back with a number, you know, a cell phone number, a fax, an email of an actual person was very exciting. And um, to know that they're interested in seeing the photos and seeing the articles and actually seeing you know, patients get the Barbies, I think is really, is really exciting. Um, so yeah, I, I owe a lot. I owe a lot to them. And I also owe a lot to my mentors who are, who are willing to help me kind of bring these Barbies into patients' lives. I can't get to meet every single one of their patients, but the Barbies can touch them, you know, via my efforts. And that's also really exciting how quickly they've moved on that as well. That, that's gotta be really gratifying. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I'm really I'm really proud at how quickly this was able to come together and also very happy that it aligned with the Barbie movie buzz because that was just pretty perfect timing meant to be. <laughs> Seriously, the timing seems impeccable. I, you cannot go anywhere on the internet right now without being peppered with Barbie. <laughs> and one of the, I was telling my husband, one of the medical representation Barbies was actually in the film. So that was exciting to see. Awesome. Yeah. It's one oh of the ones God. from the line. So I, Kudos, kudos to Greta Gerwig and her entire team on that as well. That is really exciting. Um, okay, I want to shift gears a little bit. I know, you know, you're okay. you're in your fourth year of, of medical school. So there's a lot of training ahead of you. And then, you know, obviously getting started in early career. But what what does your future look like when you when all your training is done and you hit early career? What what are your goals? What are your hopes? 
Yeah. So uh, both of my parents are in in academics, my mom in academic medicine, my dad in academic business. So I've grown up in a family full of academics. So I can only see myself staying in academia. Um, when I was at Penn during my post back a couple of years back, I, I worked for the chair of dermatology there. And I very much bought into the tripartite mission that Penn puts forth. So clinical research and education. So I would love for my career to be able to involve all three of those components. But um, I think now more than ever what the fellowship and now the next grant has the emerging investigator grant has taught me is that research is has to be a strong component of my future career. Um, and I'm excited about it. And I, PJ has shown me that research is going to be part of my career. I knew I, I knew I wanted to fulfill the tripartite mission, but now um, being involved this last year has really confirmed that for me. That's really exciting to hear that research is now just in your blood, so to speak. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I'm, and I'm so thrilled that, um, again, that PJ believes in me to be able to earn a second grant that CHOP signed me on for another year as a research assistant. Um, I'm grateful to all my mentors and everyone involved who keeps on believing in, in me and my projects. Well, I think your passion is is very clear. So I think it, it's easy for everybody, especially us at Pedro, to really invest in you and, and where you're headed in your training and your future and to support your research interests. You mentioned briefly the Emerging Investigator Grant. Let's talk a little bit about that project and how that's going. Yeah. So um, as a lot of you know, the EI grants are kind of shorter term, more single project focus. And um, after working with Dr. Craiglow in her clinic, I thought it would be incredible to apply in with an idea that we we both had that she's been wanting to put forth. So the hope for this project is to look, it's a retrospective study at patients from her clinic who have been given um, low dose oral minoxidil as part of the way that she manages her alopecia. She has a multi-pronged approach to managing her patients uh, with alopecia and look again at the safety and efficacy. So she probably is one of the physicians who has the largest cohort of patients on low-dose oral minoxidil and to be able to put forth actual um, data on the safety and efficacy would you know, have the potential to change the landscape for other providers. And so that's, it, it might be beyond the three months that we're, um, that the grant covers, but we'll still be working together on that for a bit to come. That's very exciting. Yeah, I, I'm thrilled. She's a great mentor. She's an awesome, she's an awesome mentor and an inspiration. Yeah, she's amazing. She uh, co-chaired our Alopecia Ariata um, education series a couple of years ago, along with Dr. Castello Socio. And they're both tremendous. They've both contributed so much in the Alopecia Ariata field. So it's got to be really exciting working alongside Dr. Craig Lowe. She's really tremendous. Yeah. And it was, it was an area of Peds Derm that was newer to me until I spent time in her clinic. Um, so being able to explore it further again, back to what I said earlier is allowing me to increase my fund of knowledge. And she clearly has an impact. You, some of her patients really come in with no hair and then they have a full head of hair and you're just amazed at her approach to treatment and management. So um, to be able to learn from her and work with her on this is really exciting. Okay. So one question I have for you is like, what kind of advice would you have for your peers who are maybe, you know, interested in dabbling in pediatric dermatology? You have really taken the bull by the horns. You've jumped right in. You are fully immersed now in Pedsterm, but what would you say to your colleagues about the field or what advice would you share? I would say it's the best field ever, but also I think getting involved with organizations like PEDRA, like the SPD, 
finding a mentor through some of the mentorship outlets at these organizations would be my recommendation. Asking the questions, cold emailing, a big fan of cold emailing. Again, the worst answer is no, right? No until you ask. Um, and yeah, ask just asking the questions that you want to ask and trying to find a mentor or connections who can help you learn more and create projects with you. Um, and remembering the deadlines for fellowship grants and you know other emerging investigator grants, they're they're out there. You just kind of have to do the Google the Google searching um, and do some of the legwork, but they're out there. And once you're, I think once you're involved with an organization, it's so much easier to be more involved because you start to know people, you get to meet friends, peers, um, they become your colleagues, and more opportunity I think can come from from that. Absolutely. So just your advice is just to plug in and go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's exactly what I would say. And don't be afraid of cold emailing. I've done that for my entire um, educational career. If they don't want to answer you, they won't. That's really that simple. But a connection could be made through showing your passion or your dedication over email, or even just wanting to learn more and be involved. I think that goes a really long way. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay. So last and final question. You are very active in your uh, in your training and in this sphere of pediatric dermatology. But what do you like to do in your spare time? Like, what kind of hobbies do you have, or do you have a hidden talent you want to share? Um, I would say a couple of my hobbies are: I'm a, a big yogi and workout person. Bar method, if anyone knows of the the workout classes. I actually am considering doing a training for one of those. It's just you, I have the, the actual hours to put in um, during fourth year because you do have to submit your hours. Um, I read a lot. I used to be a formerly fully nonfiction girl, but now I've gotten into the fiction, the fiction arena. So um, a lot of reading and then um, you know, spending time with family and friends. We we live near all of our family, which is great. That's wonderful. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Name your favorite nonfiction book and your favorite fiction book so far. Oh my gosh. This is, this is really hard. hard. Um, I love um, like Adam Alter's books, Professor Alter. He's a professor actually at NYU at Stern, but he writes about like the human mind and marketing and media and how um, successful companies are at kind of brainwashing us. It's a very, they're very interesting books. So on the nonfiction end, um, also have to give a shout out to how not to die by Dr. Michael Greger that changed my life in what was it 2015 2016 about how to um, live your healthiest life when it comes to what you put in your body so a great that that book is all marked up on my shelf and then in terms of fiction I'll, I'll tell you the last fiction book I read I think it was on one of the Oprah or um, Reese Witherspoon but where the crawdads sing that was really, that was really great. That was a page turner right to the last page. Um, and I just also read the paper palace. I think another one of these, uh, popular books on all the charts. So that's been on the fiction front, but if you have any recommendations, I am happy to take them. Oh, Diana, thank you so much for joining me for our getting to know you show. It's been really awesome hearing about your projects and hearing about your mentors. This is, it's been a real delight and I'm so happy to have you as part of our network. You are a real asset to Petra. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jen, for this, for this interview and this meeting. It's been so wonderful getting to know you more as well. And I also just want to thank my mentors, Dr. James Treat at CHOPS has been my main mentor for the entire year and has given me 
such tremendous autonomy to be able to explore my own interest in pediatric dermatology. Um, of course, Dr. Craiglow as well, who has helped inspire the Barbie Like Me campaign and for our upcoming exciting grant and Dr. Antea up at Yale and then my monster mentor, Dr. Gittler. Um, I'm just really grateful to have people who believe in me and are helping to nurture my interests and project ideas, no matter again, how grassroots they are to develop. Um, I'm just truly grateful. And I feel like you all have really changed my life. And thank you again, Mike Siegel and Pedro for giving me these grants and these opportunities. I will never forget it. Thank you so much to Diana Zarwin. It's been a great pleasure talking to her and learning about her research interests and projects. Uh, how exciting that she's been able to really champion this campaign with Mattel through Barbie. Uh, so thank you so much. If you are interested in uh, participating in that Barbie Like Me campaign, you can email Pedra at info at pedraresearch.org and we will get you connected with Diana. Uh, and as always, you can follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all at Pedra Research. And make sure that you're watching our YouTube channel, uh, Pediatric Dermatology Research Alliance. And you can also listen to our podcast channel, Future Pearls, available on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.